Welcome back to another episode of the Leadership Download. Uh, today's podcast, uh, we, we have a very exciting interview with uh, Tyler Regan. Uh, Tyler Regan, uh, Travis and I uh, know Tyler from uh, his time at Catalyst. Uh, he held various events for uh, Catalyst Leader. And um, he's an author of a couple books that talk about faith and leadership. Um, and Tyler Regan is a big champion of, of leadership. He's also the CEO and founder of a life-giving company. Um, and we just talked about um, in this podcast about how to be a life-giving leader. So Tyler talks about from his experiences on how he came to write his books and pursue what he's pursuing uh, in terms of pursuing leadership and, and helping uh, really give his life to others and coach them in leadership. So you're in store for a great interview. And um, I hope you enjoy uh, this interview with Tyler Regan. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for uh, taking the time uh, to to be on our podcast. Um, so, so Tyler, um, how to start off with with this discussion on um, your your books, um, how has the Bible affected your leadership? Oh, wow. That's a, I like, you just went straight deep. That's really, it's fast <laughs> to go there, but I love it. And first of all, thanks for having me. And uh, anytime I meet fellow leadership uh, fighters, you know, like it's like we, we believe in it. And honestly, <clears throat> that's probably how that connects to my writing and to what I think about when it comes to leadership is um, I did, I kind of grew up around the church, but didn't really <clears throat> give put myself, put faith in my life until high school, but then I was all in when that happened. And in college at the University of Georgia, I was very connected to a campus ministry and just felt called to do ministry full time from that point out. But I'd always been a fairly natural leader. And so, but here's what I watched happen was I just kept seeing this discrepancy and I was like, okay, wait a minute. These faith leaders are really good at Sunday morning, but I'm not so sure they're really good at Monday through Friday. And like that feels like a disconnect. And so over the years of leading different things I've watched and, and basically the simplest way I can say this is how we lead affects people's faith. And like I don't know too many people that have walked away from faith because of the faith itself, but I can list a, a massive list of people that have walked away because of poor leadership in the church. And so when I think about what Jesus says in Matthew 20, he said, you know, um, here's what the world does. The world is going to lord power over you. The Lord, the world is going to do this and that and the other. You know, you guys are, know John Maxwell well. I mean, we're talking positional leadership here, right? They're just going to they're only going to have influence over you because of the position and they're going to extort it and they're going to use it incorrectly. And this is one of those few times in scripture where it says, this is what the world's going to do, but this is what you're going to do if you follow me. And he literally just says, not so with you. And it says, we came to serve, not to be served. And I just think, um, you know, even as I'm, I'm studying these, these leadership theories and organizational leadership, servant leadership is a leadership theory, actually. Like it's a significant amount of academic work has been put in to this idea of servant leadership. And uh, I don't think that started out of nowhere it came out of a pretty clear leader in the past who says this is what i think is the greatest way to lead so let's go from there so it, it is um i i don't have a well here's what the bible this helps me over here and this like it really is the foundation and integrated in all the things i try to think about when it comes to leadership you know that's so good and, you know um just kind of jumping into your more of what you talk about more often um, you know, it's it's really 
especially as young leaders, it's very temp your temptation is to want to mimic or you observe other leaders and you and you see how they they do things and you're like you man I wish I had their temperament I wish I had their sure. personality I wish I had their charisma um, and oftentimes you can begin to look at your own personal personality and and your temperament as a negative thing and you speak to this a lot in uh, your writing and in your content you know we often look at the successful people and we say I want what they have should we be attempting to you know, embrace what we have, or should we be, you know, trying to change ourselves to look like someone else? Yeah, I, it's kind of a mix in a sense of, I don't know if I want you to change to be somebody yeah. else, but we're always going to fight to grow, right? That's the leadership. Like, that's why we do this is if I felt like uh, who I am can't get better, then, then I'm kind of barking up the wrong tree with this leadership principle at the same time. Um, what we've found is for years and years and years, and I believe this with all my heart, that the most life-giving, authentic, genuine leaders have become okay with themselves. Like they're they're comfortable with their skill set. You know, um, Gallup and and Buckingham and those guys created Strength Finders and the the Clifton Strengths results or uh, Strength Finders. It is a fascinating thing because it shows you these are the five to ten things attributes that that are really your best attributes for work. They're really your best attributes for leadership. And I think that is mission critical. But I also think there is some growth side that happens. Now, I'll tie all that back to our first question. And this is through a story that I went through where I was basically told that if I wasn't successful, it's because of my personality and my wiring. Well, that's fascinating and encouraging and terrible all at the same time, right? Um, mm -hmm. And where I landed was, okay, but Psalm 139 says a very different thing. It says that I was knit together in a few verses in my mother's womb. A few verses later, while God looked, the creator looked at my story. He looked at the plan. He looked at the calling and the pieces, the things you guys have walked through. Why in the world would he create something that doesn't match what that thing looks like? You know, and, and what yet yeah, we spend a day. So we were talking a minute ago about social media. Social media has created this uh, tragic um, imposter syndrome is what some people would call it a tragic, uh, picture of what I should be. And, and there's so many people that are wanting to be something they're not. And that's just, when you chase other people's uniquenesses, you feel the tension, the people around you feel the tension and, um, you're never going to be at your best. So, uh, I really think the, the most life-giving thing you can do to the people around you is become okay with who you are, your unique set. Now at the same time, and I mentioned this earlier, I'm my, my strengths are not details. Like that is not even near, like there's 34 of those clips. I'm, that's probably 34 out of, you know, whatever. At the same time, I can't go through life and not get a few details done. There's some work I've got to do. And also, by the way, I'm not going to forget how to be relational just because I spend a few minutes focused on making sure the details get accomplished. The, the, the relationals, those strengths are natural to me. They are very easy to do for the most part. You see what I mean? So um, I, I try to think of this through a couple different lenses, but it all is based on this foundational idea that I was uniquely put together for a unique purpose. That personality is actually a strength if I lean into it the right way. So um, I would definitely encourage uh, leaders to uh, really become aware of their, their self-awareness, their self-identity. Um, and you can do that through assessments. You can do that through a coach. You can do that through a 360 evaluation, whatever the thing may be. Um, 
would really help you figure out that self-awareness because you cannot grow your emotional intelligence without that foundational element of self-awareness. Yeah, that's so true. I think um, especially, you know, talking to younger generations, that's a real struggle is is, uh, they look on social media and uh, they want to strive for that success and fame um, for different reasons. And not and oftentimes that's a result of not understanding themselves. Um, And I think also sometimes they're not willing to to put in the grind or the work in order to um, to to be someone uh, be what they're called to be. That's right. Yeah. And you're you're exactly right in the sense, too, that a lot of leaders think um, a lot of young leaders think these are overnight successes. Right. Like, well, look at them. They just. Yeah. And and I remember back, this was, gosh, maybe 10 years ago, there was a band called Fun, and they released an album, and it, the the song went number one. It's called Some Nights, and it's an incredible song. And I remember people were like, they're, they're an overnight success. Well, if you research them, that was their ninth album. <laughs> they have been yeah. grinding and working and plugging, and then they have a hit. But that's what is happening a lot of times is our day and age. We see we want fast. If, if I can't get it fast, then I'm probably it's probably not worth doing. And you're going... Actually, it's the other way around, right? Like the destination, the process is the destination. Like the work we go through is is that that's happening to us is better than the destination, right? So you're exactly right about that. Yeah, but I also think the when you talk about the process, um, I think I've experienced this too. Is when you go through the process, there's times where the process gets too hard and you just want to give up. Yeah. Um, what What advice would you give? Um, you know our our listeners here about you know going through that process and especially young people it's very easy uh to give up it's very it's very easy to to leave a job leave where you're at and go and start something new you know there's that uh there's that stereotype where generation z the millennials they're jumping company to company every year every couple months yeah it's uh it's it's an epidemic in some ways right like we're dealing with uh but you know simon sinek talks about this a lot of his writing where in the 80s and 90s there was this whole new workplace shift that that the way he said it was uh people started feeling for numbers and thinking about people so we there there weren't organizations trying to create a lifetime employee they didn't care about that they cared about shareholders and a bottom line and what he was starting to go is no we're human we've got to we've got to shift this back to creating lifers, to creating long-term, um, long-term employees, employee engagement. What does it look like to uh, have people a part of that? So I bring that up because so many of us jump ship way too fast in these organizations, in these processes. But it's also fair because a lot of bosses and organizations are not built to take care of their people. Like they're not seeing and valuing people appropriately. So I'm not blaming anybody. I just think there's a, it's a perfect storm of a mixture of a generation that goes is, I mean, the millennials were the first generation that were going to come out of college and make less money just to be a part of something that matters. Like I'm gen X. We didn't care about that. Like, like legit. We didn't care about that. Okay. We actually didn't care about anything. So it worked out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, the next the, the Gen, Gen Z and millennials, they care like they want their work to matter. They want the time that they spend 
and it, to matter. They want it to go towards something that has a cause. They want it, be, and I'm not saying every single one of them, but for the most part, as a, as generations, that's what they're doing. Well, that's a significant difference. So they're sitting here going, well, I can make less money over this job, but it seems like they care about people. They seem like they're going towards something that matters. They seem like this. And so until bosses and, and big companies start realizing that's what these generations want. And, yeah. you know, most of the time they'll spend their days going, well, they're just too hard to lead. I think. And Simon actually said this at a Catalyst event years ago. I think they're just misunderstood. You got to know how to lead them. You got to know what it is that matters to them. And so. And then if you don't mind, I'll, I'll weave in a faith element to this, too. I went through a pretty difficult season where doors were just closing all the time in the process. And I kept just thinking, man, if this door doesn't if God doesn't open this door tonight, I'm not going to make it right. Like this is and four times I can remember that happening. And he didn't open any of those doors that I thought he needed to open because clearly I know more than he does. And and yet every one of those closed doors became an upgraded yes for me. So all those no's, all that process work, all those seasons of feeling like I knew what's best and it didn't happen the way that I saw it became better and upgraded opportunities. And so that is why the process matters so much, because quite often if we get to the destination we see for ourselves, we would be nowhere near the destination that God has for us or that uh, we could potentially land in if if it just leaves it up to kind of our our minds and our small thinking sometimes. So I see it as kind of a, a there's a faith element to it, you know, of trusting that maybe there's a bigger narrative going on. Maybe there's a bigger story. I tell you guys this and, and you know, I've, I've led some pretty cool things, been around some neat people. What I'm doing today that was a result of lots of hard work and a lot of hard seasons I would do a hundred out of a hundred times. Does that make sense? Like, and yet if the, any of those doors open that I wanted to open that I thought should open, I wouldn't be doing what I am today. So that's why the process matters so much to me is it's made me the man and the leader and uh, the, the employee, whatever that I am today. Although I didn't want it to go that way. Do you know what I mean? So, and again, it's like a parent when you tell your kids, Hey, don't touch the stove. It's hot. It's going to hurt. Oh, you touched the stove. Great. Like we can tell kids all the time or we can tell younger leaders, hey, guys, the process matters. Right. We can tell them that. Mm. But until you go through the process, <laughs> you don't want to accept that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, just kind of going right going back towards this idea of, of personality and, and, and all these things, you know, in one of your in one of your books, uh, The Life Giving Leader, you know, you talked about how you were pretty much told you mentioned it earlier that you're because of your personality, you would right. not be a, a good leader. Just, just, I mean, sharing out of personal experiences, I found is the best way to make connections with people. Sure. Can, can you explain a little bit of what that was? What were, what were people seeing in you at that moment that they were saying, you're not, there's no way you're going to be a great leader. Yeah. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't include, I wouldn't, uh, expand the group to, uh, what were people seeing? It was a person. A person. <laughs> so, okay. yeah, it, it wasn't multiple sources, if you will. It was a specific source that just felt like and, and again, you guys know this. A lot of the culture really celebrates highly achieving, highly focused, really detailed, organized leaders, people that get it done. Right. Like just get it. The, the hustle leaders, the ones that are the ones that are just like, I'll work all day. I'll get it done. Don't you worry about it. Yeah. And I always felt like I was unique going, man, I'll, I will get it done and I'll hustle, but it might not look the way that you picture. And I am not 
overly detailed. I don't like email. That's a weird thought. Um, like, you know, I don't live my life hoping email is going to track my day. Like I, I don't operate that way. And I think that's where me and this one leader were just, we just couldn't see eye to eye. And, and when you go through assessments, whether it's Myers-Briggs or DISC or any of these, you know, uh, even Enneagram, there are numbers or, or assessments that, or excuse me, profiles that will be results first. And there are some that are result relationship first. And based on our quick conversation, you can probably assume I am relationship first. That's just kind of where I live. This leader was results first. Both of us are wired in the image of God. Like both of us were given a unique personality. God had gifted him at some unique things, but guess what? He had gifted me at some unique things too. They just, uh, a lot of times your type A high driving leaders can't imagine leadership that doesn't look like theirs. That doesn't look like that type of thing. Um, and man, I'll tell you what, as hard as that season was of uh, feeling like, am I a failure? Am I like, I, I just watched God completely use that very difficult leadership moment to be a foundational teaching for the rest of my career. Like I've spent the last however many years teaching leaders about their uniqueness, calling out that uniqueness and trying to lift them towards living a life where that uniqueness is very central to what God's calling them to do. And so, man, I, I just, I really can't say enough of, uh, here's one of the beautiful parts at the time I was really big. I don't know if you guys have done right path assessment. It's just, a, it's another assessment. I wish, I really wish Lencioni's working genius had come out because it's so basic and so simple yeah. and, and I love it. I think it's brilliant. But Right Path was a great assessment I was using to coach and work with leaders. And on the Right Path assessment, there's one one of the six main attributes is uh, unstructured versus structured. Right. I don't know if you can guess based on our conversation on which side I fell in that category. But uh, me and this leader, one was off the charts structured. I was off the charts unstructured. Now, here's what's beautiful about Right Path. When it fills in those attributes for each of those sides, because you hear structured like, wah, wah, like, man, nobody's hiring me, whatever. You hear structured, their three attributes are precise, organized, and achieving. Makes sense for a structured person, right? They're going to dot the T's and cross, cross the, uh, let's see, cross the T's and dot the I's. They're going to make sure everything's where it is. Organized means I know where A, B, C, to get to Z, I know every step along the way, right? Um, mm -hmm. Achieving is that in, intrinsic drive to get it done. Well, if I just read those, I go, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> dibs i'd love some of those characteristics i'd love for some of that to be natural in me and and but yet the other side you're like gosh damn, what what if i'm unstructured how does that contribute to the workforce what does that look like but here's the beautiful thing guys the three attributes for unstructured were generalist improviser and instinct not long after that i'm leading catalyst conference and i'm running 10,000 person events for christian leaders those are the very three attributes that were the most important for my leadership for that season. By far, when we're in an event and something goes wrong, which, by the way, always happens, I was at my best. And so the very attributes that, that some leaders were like, ah, I think you're going to struggle in leadership were the very attributes I believe that God has used to allow me to lead at the level I've led at. And uh, so I just say that to encourage leaders who probably felt um, and, and maybe there's leaders, this happens all the time when I do coaching, that are actually really strong and organized and strong towards achieving. And they feel like, gosh, am I allowed to be that strong? Am I, especially women. Man, women in leadership 
they have that strong of a drive, that strong of a director, that strong of of a dominant, a domineering type person, a dominating type personality. They they feel wrong about that. And there are some growth, like the same way for me, I'm really strong towards this unstructured. I can't live there. I've got work to, I've got to pull myself in. Same thing with these really strong personalities. You can't just be a jerk and just go, well, it's just who I am. Okay. You've got some work to do, but at the same time, those gifts are going to be a, a gift to the kingdom if they're used properly. So it, it wherever you fall on these uh, different as assessments, you really have to lean into and trust and do the work to go what are the downs when I'm unhealthy? What is this wiring going to do when I am healthy? What is this going to do? It's interesting. You talk about that. I was recently reading about uh, Navy SEALs and they were talking about the the person, how the personalities are wired and um, how they position them. The people who are in the field that are like leadership in the field yeah. tend to be that have that ability to improvise and they're OK with things not going as structured. And then the people they have that are more in the, the the rank and file that are doing the long-term planning are your super organized, structured individuals. So even in the military, they're they're recognizing strengths of saying this person has yeah. the ability to audible, make changes on the fly, and they're super comfortable in the field doing that. Where this would be a nightmare for somebody who's a super organized individual. So this is that's exactly right because they're going. I wait. I did all the work. I thought <laughs> through it all the ways. Like what. There's no way that guy should have come out of that door. And you're going, who cares? He's out of the door. Like, <laughs> exactly. Do something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's very interesting how that all works out. You know, continuing on that idea of, of, of you know, big, building your authentic leadership. What are some of the obstacles that you see that kind of uh, that get in the way of um, becoming, you know, your authentic bringing, you know, yeah. creating your authentic leadership? Yeah, so actually, I've mentioned this to you guys before. I just started a PhD in organizational leadership. So it's it's interesting to go now and learn the academic uh, work that's been done that has driven a lot of our famous authors and writers that we know in the leadership space. And um, I'm actually doing a, a journal, um, uh, what do they call it? A, a literary review of authentic leadership. Like that's the, the organizational theory that I'm currently engaged in. And it is fascinating. What's beautiful about it is the reason authentic leadership, and it's a fairly new study for um, the theory space. Um, it really spun out of transformational leadership, but it's fascinating to see how authentic leadership is like one new to a lot of people still, even though Brene Brown and Lincioni, all these people have made it vulnerability and authenticity like a very big buzz leadership concept. It's still a new theory, like it's still a new conversation. Uh, what is fascinating to me, though, is how it affects followership. Like there, all the early research says that authentic leaders have better followers, which makes them better leaders. Right. Like uh, that, that authentic leadership creates the platform, creates the space for the followers, the people who are part of the organization to be their best self. And so uh, that's my biggest encouragement around the space. And um, and, and one of the leadership theory ideas conversation you guys know this from the five levels of leadership maxwell the lowest level of leadership is positional and then he moves up to you know influence and different things like that here's what's interesting in the in the academic writing is they say there's there's a, a positional i forget the the word they use i gotta look it up because i keep using this illustration you know it's one of those things you're like i should probably go back and figure out exactly what it says <laughs> but this i'm reading way too much so i can't keep it all in my brain 
The second part, they say you either have, and I would say positional is the best way to describe it. You have positional because you were, you were in the job. You got the job. The way they describe it is then, or you have acquired leadership, which is what really levels two through five would be. You acquired leadership because of your the way you relate to people, the way you coach people, the way you care for people, right? Um, that's acquired leadership. So even in the academic journals, there is constant support of this idea of what John would say and so many other leaders that, listen, just because you're not in the seat does not mean you don't have significant influence and leadership in the organization. And so, um, and I would say, and, and I would venture to say you guys might lean with me on this is that you can't do that well without being your authentic self, without being, um, being yourself in the end and leading from your strengths, leading from your uniqueness, leading from your story a little bit, trusting your historical awareness um, and being able to move forward going, this is me. This is what I'm proud of. This is what I'm not proud of. This is part of my story. You know, I was talking to a friend recently who um, who said that he was hiring. Uh, he'd actually made an offer to someone. And then when they did their background check, there was a, a blip that came up, something that had happened. And we both talked about the fact that if they had just said, here's what happened, I want you to know this because it's going to show up. That's authentic and that's real. And there's grace for that in, in the right ways. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know what the situation was, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, but the fact that they had to find it out through the background check, create that instant like, OK, this isn't going to work. Like you, if you can't be honest in that situation, I know you wanted the job, but this is not this is a sign of an inauthentic uh, uh, someone who's still got some pieces of their story they're working out. And I don't know that that's the best place for. So, but I, I do, I'm, I'm fascinated right now by this idea that we create better followers by being more authentic, which I think is really powerful. Now I will throw a warning in there if that's all right. There's a lot of pastors that get up and they think on Sunday, I'm going to be authentic. So I'm going to tell you my favorite sins and everything and just spill on everybody. I'm not sure that's exactly what they're talking about. <laughs> uh, so there's a difference between spilling on people and being authentic. So that's just my own little little asterisk I like to put out there. I think it's important what you just said, because even in just, you know, mentoring and, and, and you know, consulting and there I have found that there has been uh, as I build relationships, that there are opportunities where I may bring in something that, hey, this is something that I've struggled with in the past. And it is appropriate for that moment sure. and with that one individual and, and not bringing that authenticity of saying, oh, this is going to be perfect. Let me just share this with the whole congregation or let me share this right. with everyone. So I think it, it is being strategic about yep. knowing, knowing that the knowing that it's worth, you know, taking that yep. risk and also being authentic, stepping outside of the norm. Is it, is it worth it? Is it worth the impact that's going to have on the individual? You know, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think so, it is so when it's done, done appropriately. Yeah. Right on. I actually had a, a one, one, one question that just came up. Um, so you, in your book, uh, Life Giving Leader, of course, you talked about how you, you really give your life in leadership uh, and you bring a lot of good concepts on how to put. You give it your all when it comes to yeah. leadership. And what is it that that continues to drive you? in giving your life and leadership as you because everything you've done um all the work you've done and all the work that you continue to do it's all focused on leadership what yeah. what 
continues to to drive you to, to continue to do that uh i two things one we talked about earlier i for some reason and i i believe this will in my heart but jesus loved the church he loved the local church and i've had plenty of reasons to walk away from it and he he didn't he loved it and so if he loved it then i try to love it the best i can and i want to leave it better than i found it and there a lot of that starts with leadership and so um i think and i think it's the concept of of true leadership and the power of leadership is what drives me because i feel like it's the fastest way to turn ships you know what i mean it's the fastest way to improve people's lives it's the fastest way to impact not just one person, but maybe a hundred people. I mean, we've, we used to do leadership events and we would be overwhelmed because if you take a hundred leaders that probably represents, depending on where they come from, anywhere from a thousand to 10,000 to a hundred thousand people. I mean, like working here at the church, I'm a part of down here in Orlando, we have 12,000 people that are part of this place. Well, if, if we do it right. And the hundred of us that are working on staff are good leaders that impacts 12,000 people. There's just the math of that, which I don't do a lot of math, but it, you know, the math seems really good on that leadership investment. Um, so that's a big piece of it. The other piece is, is more personal. Um, and it's, and it's why I do what we call the 1010 project it is I lost three pastor friends to suicide in a 12 month window. And these were friends, not just stories. You know what I mean? These were, uh, people that didn't have a safe place to say some stuff that they needed to say. Um, and some of that's leadership and some of them were struggling with mental health and different places like that. I'm just tired of losing my friends to whether it's suicide or addiction or um, unrealistic expectations. Honestly, a lot of times it comes from our seminaries and our training is not on this stuff. Our seminary training is on how to preach on a Sunday for 25 minutes or 30 minutes or, you know, some people like to like to hear themselves talk for 50 minutes. So um, but my point is, like, they weren't trained to lead. They weren't trained for the Monday through Friday stuff that takes them out most of the time. They don't know how to lead a board, how to select a board. And if you put a bad fish in the pond, you're going to get hosed and you're going to get hurt. And it's going to take more emotional damage than you can ever imagine. And that's leadership. And so it's really a combination of all of those things for me of going not we're never going to we're never going to avoid pain. Like leadership is hard. And honestly, I write about that in life giving leadership. Things of value require sacrifice. So like it's worth it. It's harder than not doing it well. Right. Like at least in the short term. But the long-term fruit is I'm going to be committed to people. And, and Maxwell and Rick Warren, a million people have said it this way, that you know people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I don't think there's a lot of secret sauce to this, guys. I think it is as simply put of you take care of the people that God's entrusted to you. And that's going to look a lot different for a lot of different people. But it all is based on how do I genuinely care for the people that God's put in my circle? That to me is is the best way to lead. And that's why to me, I'm a people person. So I'm going, if that makes people better, then I'm in. I'm, it's gonna, I'm gonna con continue to commit to that process. Okay, but before we go to the fun questions, we have a few fun questions. Um, I wanted to know as, as with, with everything that you do and everything that you're involved with, um, and now pursuing a, a, a PhD, which uh, yeah, because that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, that's <laughs> logical. <laughs> which is a heavy lift. Um, how do you how do you keep maintain a, a proper balance? Oh man, I, I wish I wish I did. Um, no, I try to. Yeah, and 
I've always liked the word rhythm a little better than balance because I feel like balance uh, gives a picture of if, if I do three days on, I got to do three days, like some sort of equal equilibrium on that. The rhythm to me is recognizing I've got seasons. Like if I work really hard for five straight days, I don't get five straight days off. I wish I did. That would be awesome. But I've got to find those seasons with my family. And like, honestly, these next three to four weeks, we've got two big trips with our pastor groups with 1010 that we've got. I'll be at. I'm, I've got papers due for school. The kids are finishing sport. You know, like all the different things going on. Um, I'll be traveling a good bit more than I I am right now. And so my wife and I, it's like we've had six weeks to kind of prepare for that. And we kind of look towards that going, hey, in December, I'm going to have a little it's going to be a pullback like we've got a little more time. So I try to find some rhythm in that. Um, truthfully, and this is uh, something I know about myself, even with the school stuff, I'm really good in the last minute but it, it will take a toll if I live in that space. Right. Um, I, I got a huge, one of the biggest assignments for this semester due tomorrow night at midnight. Most people in our cohort have been working on it all week. I will probably start when we're done with this podcast. (laughs) And you know, uh, it's how my brain works. Like I I can see like leading things. You didn't start the second book I wrote. I had the first draft due January 5th. I think it was 20, 19 or something like that. December 5th, four weeks before it was due, I had written one chapter. And this is why my brain's jacked up. I thought, I still got time. Like there was something in me that thought I can write a whole book in four weeks. And I did it in five, but it, it you know, I needed an extra a few days. But I say that to go, I'm not great at it all the time. I, I'm really not, but I fight for it because my family deserves the best of me, which means I have to do some things that are not my normal, natural. If it only affected me, that's how I do it. So that there's a balance and a rhythm in my family's life, you know? So Tyler, before we jump into these last few questions, um, if someone wants to follow you, what's, what's the best way to connect with you social media wise, content wise? Yep. I would start with the Georgia Bulldogs. As long as they follow and keep up with how their football team is doing, then we're good. Um, (laughs) I'm just kidding, but mostly kidding. Uh, at Tyler Reagan, R-E-A-G-I-N is the best way. You know, that's there's a website for that, but also just on social media. Um, and truthfully, what I would ask people is if they connect with us is just keep praying for the leaders that we're trying to serve through 1010 Project. That's that's the, the calling, the heartbeat is going. We got to do better with our friends. Like we've got to take care of them, put them in safe places because there are things we need to say that we can't say to the people at work, that we can't say to the people at home. And we need to say them or else we're going to isolate or worse. And um, so, you know, 1010 Project is the number 10, the word 10, if people want to know more about that. Those are probably the spaces that I spend most of my time. Awesome. So let's jump into a couple of fun questions before we before we end today. So number one, best book you've read in the last couple of months? I've just been doing fun. a lot of reading. That's a fun question? That sounds like <laughs> an academic question. Um <laughs> Let's see. I, I think um, I've been I help a couple of churches um, think through succession and transition. Obviously, leading things you didn't start is that way a little bit. Uh, but my buddy William B- Vanderblumen has a book called Next on Succession. And it's really interesting. And most people are like, that's what's fun for you. I was like, kind of, because it's really an important conversation because we have a lot of places, churches and businesses alike that need to be doing this better. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, can we go ask the next one? <laughs> yeah. So dead or dead or alive, who would you like to have lunch with? 
I'm a big golfer, so probably Arnold Palmer. His, his we're right ten minutes from his place. Um, I just think he, the way he carried himself, at least in the public, was was really impressive. And um, I'd probably love just to sit with him and, and ask him some questions about uh, just how he how he loved people really well, even in a very very prestigious spot. Excellent. And the last one is, what have you done that you suggest everyone or you suggest others should do? So we take guys on these trips, we go snowmobiling. So last year is the first year I ever did snowmobiling in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and it was incredible. And now I've done it a lot of times because we take a lot of guys. So uh, that's one of those trips where Josh and I, my co-founder, were like, are we both going? Yes, because it's so <laughs> much fun. So if you haven't, between that and fly fishing, if you've never fly fished, if you're like, I don't like to fish, you would love to fly fish. If you went and did it with a guide or with some people, it will blow your mind how fun it is. And so those are two, two things because they're outside. That's a part of how we base the work we do is going, you need adventure in your life. You need some whimsy. You need some fun. You need some outdoors. You need some mountains or some streams or some ocean, whatever those things are for you. But uh, very few people that I know if any can't get refreshed some in the outdoors. And so it's just, it's something that is really important to me. Mm, so good. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for, uh, for taking the time to join us here on the leadership download today. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time out of a busy schedule to uh, spend some time with us. Well, thank you for joining us for another edition of the leadership download. We thank you guys so much for allowing us to add to your lives. And we hope this interview with Tyler Regan, um, added depth to your leadership and uh, will help you moving forward as a leader. As always, you can check us out on tcadvisorygroup.com or on any social media platform, YouTube, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasting, or wherever else you listen to uh, your podcasts. So we thank you guys so much for joining us and we will catch you guys on the next episode.